0: May all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be free from harm, may all beings love life, may all beings awaken. Welcome to another Geek Audio podcast. I'm DC, Puba of Geek Audio and Kuke Archives, doing our bit to help preserve the legacy of Shunju Suzuki and those whose paths cross his, and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today, we have uh, a uh, guest, uh, Vicki Austin, Shosan Vicki Austin. Uh, who is a uh, teacher in the lineage of Shunju Suzuki. Uh, listen, I'll read you uh, from her. There's uh, a little page uh, about her on uh, the Zen Center site. And it says, Shotsan Victoria Austin began practicing in 1971. She trained in the U.S., in India, and in Japan, and is entrusted as a Dharma heir in the lineage of Shunryu Suzuki Roshi, 1999, an international Soto Zen priest, 2005, and a Dharma teacher at San Francisco Zen Center, 1999. Some of her previous San Francisco Zen Center roles include work leader Tenzo Tanto and president. Uh, yeah, Tenzo, you know's the head cook. Tanto like in charge of the practice of uh, that center. You know, the president of Zen Center. Mm. She co-led the training and participation of the Ryoban Ceremonial Assembly for the for the Zen Shuji 100th Anniversary Jukai A. UKA in Los Angeles a five-day retreat in which over a hundred people received precept teachings and vows and she'll talk about that and uh, she's sort of an expert in how to do these ceremonies for a uh, you know for a, an American for a Westerner and um, she has um, uh, sort of managed uh, and overseen many many, Ordinations and many uh, transmissions and lay entrustments. And anyway, you'll hear about it. In, and now back to what it says here. In addition to her deep study and daily teaching of yogic aspects of meditation in diverse settings, including workplaces, institutions, and homes, Shosan, now they call her Shosan, but everybody calls her Vicky, and she even makes a point of that in the podcast. Uh, Vicky serves as an Iyengar yoga teacher, 1998, teacher educator, 2003, assessor of new yoga teachers, 2005, and right use of power facilitator, 2019. In her offerings, she emphasizes inclusion, accessibility, trauma sensitivity, and appropriate challenge grounded in awareness of the possibility and presence of liberation. Uh, You know, aside from that, her practice starts off, I hate to give it away, but it's with a near-death experience. And she's not the only one. Uh, I've I've run across um, a handful of people who say that and like they'd never thought about practice or anything like that. Uh, And then they had a near death experience and uh, mm, sort of turned them around. Uh, There's more people that had uh, a near death experience on psychedelics who went, whoa, I got to take this seriously and ended up studying Zen or, you know, many, many other things. Uh, Anyway, so um, look, uh, let's uh, give. Vicki a call. So when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're through meditating or whatever, hit unpause and we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And we'll give Vicki Austin a call. Hello. Hi, Vicki. How are you doing? David, hi. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. You did not keep me waiting. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the, uh, I'm, I wanted to call you as late as you could, you know. Uh, so I was, uh, uh, I was, initially I was thinking of calling you at 7, but... You know, then I thought seven forty-five. Give me forty-five more minutes to do stuff uh, before I came up to my little studio and called you. So, uh, where are you? I'm in uh, Sanur in Bali. Cool. Hmm. So, Vicky, uh, what are you up to these days? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear. Well, uh, you know, as you know, uh, uh, being a Zen priest, uh, is, uh, you know, you have to think about, uh, life and, uh, what you, what, uh, what you're living for. And, um, so I'm trying to stay close to that question of what is the beauty of human life? What is it about? And, um, a long time ago I made the decision to, um, stop, uh, my conventional career and to help, uh, Zen practice grow in the United States Mm -hmm. and in the West. Mm -hmm. And I was particularly, um, interested and attracted to, Suzuki Roshi's way and so I wanted to do that
0: when when was that what year was that
1: I started practicing the week he died so that Thanksgiving I was um, staying at my mother's house uh, because I had a band reunion uh, from the band I was in uh, in high school huh and um so we had a good time, but then on the way home, uh, it was uh, pretty stormy and there was a lot of sleet and ice on the road. And my car stalled out in the middle of an intersection. Another car hit mine, car, and it became airborne. And so uh, I wasn't hurt, but I had a near-death experience at that at that time. So it was. A big experience for me. Mm. And then I, th- I thought I was dead, so I gave in to the experience. And then I found out that I was alive, you know, when I found myself lying on the pavement looking at the uh, sleep uh, dropping down from the sky. And then I realized I was alive, and I realized I was going to have to follow through. And, um, I asked people about it, and it turned out that they thought I had had a religious experience, and I didn't really want to have had one. That
2: wasn't what <laughs> I thought my
0: life was <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so and you say oh, you didn't really no, want to have one. Oh, yeah. why, why was that? I
1: just didn't. You know, and it wasn't really a why It was more it was more like so uh, um, uh, Bill Lafleur who was teaching at Princeton said you have had a religious experience and my immediate reaction was oh no well you know, was no, that no.
0: against your belief that such things existed or
1: uh? no it wasn't against any belief I just had a gut Reaction of no. I mean, part of it was that my parents were Holocaust survivors, so uh, I had been force-fed the idea that, um, you know, we were uh, a religious people who everybody hated and wanted to kill,
2: (laughs) you know? So
1: I think I associated religion with... Uh, oh. Death and with being different right. and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, okay. And you can, you can lighten the load of this particular section if you ever decide to write it down. Uh, you know, you can edit it somewhat.
0: But, I don't edit uh, things. This is all good as it is.
1: Oh, uh, alright. <laughs> okay. But anyway, it was that. And also the other thing about the experience was that it was such a big experience. And I don't know if you ever have seen those cartoons where, you know, uh, the road runner is being attacked by Wiley e. Coyote and he tricks him into putting his finger in an electrical socket. Yeah. And then Wiley e. Coyote lights up from the inside and you can see his whole skeleton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how uh, my personality was illuminated in that experience. And it was intensely embarrassing. Mm. Um, I saw how completely petty I was and had come to be during my first 18 years of life. And it was just profoundly embarrassing, and I didn't want anything to do with the experience.
2: Mm.
1: I wanted to avoid it, not to follow through on it, but Mm. the experience had already happened, and so I had to follow through. Mm. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I... um, I thought, oh, I I know, okay, if this is a religious experience, I'm going to learn how to meditate. And so I asked my friend Mark Cohen. He and I uh, used to sometimes go to protests together, and I lied to him. I said, Mark, um, would you teach me that Zazen thing you do? <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> would you teach me that Zazen thing? Because if we ever get arrested... Uh, I want something to do in jail. Yeah. So I lied to him. I, I didn't tell him why I really wanted to know.
0: Well, that's, that's all right.
1: Could, yeah, and I thought I could just uh, sit by myself, but as soon as I tried to do it, I couldn't do it. It was too hard. Mm. You know, I would sit down, and then uh, everything else would begin to happen, and I would remember that I, I had to write a paper, or that, you know, my nose itched or I had to go to the toilet or whatever it was. And I would mm. get up and then, then later I would think, oh no, you know, you didn't do it. You thought, you said you were going to do it and then you didn't. Mm. And so then I thought, oh no, I guess I'm going to have to go to a group.
2: <laughs> and, I, and I
1: really didn't like the group. Uh, you know, because uh, the people who were in the groups were a little bit strange, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started going to uh, a yoga class and to the Zen group on the same day. And I, I, Wait a minute. Um,
0: Where were you living?
1: Princeton. I, I was one of the um, early women at Princeton University.
0: And you That's said you, you went to a, a, a Zen group?
1: I went to a meditation group that had a Zen flavor.
0: Uh-huh. Do you yeah. remember what it was called or where it was? Or and anything? there
1: was a person in it. No, it was just somebody's, um, somebody's group that they did in one of the residence halls, I think.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, I,
1: I just remember a little room, and then I went to a Kundalini yoga class and did that meditation. And I read some Zen books. And uh, so I was trying to sit Zaza, and I couldn't. It was too hard. So I uh, when I went to the group I didn't like doing it there either. I thought I would just you know be able to go to the group and then it would be easy to sit saza and then I wouldn't have to I wouldn't need the group anymore. Yeah. But then I ended up hitchhiking to California mm. and um Working for an architect, and then about a year into that, I realized I was lonely, and I ran into a young man I knew, I had known, in the creative writing courses at uh, in college, and. Um,
0: Where in California were you?
1: I was. I was in uh, living in Berkeley. Yeah. All right. uh, across from People's Park. Yeah. And working downtown in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I was uh, doing bank interiors. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I moved in with this guy not really knowing who he was and then I realized I had made a mistake and so I was wandering the streets in uh, desperation and I saw this sign that said Zen Center Hmm. and I thought oh hmm, I do that and I went in and Tom Cleary was teaching a Chinese class
2: Oh, it was wow. just
1: about to start, and Chinese was my language in college, and mm. I thought, wow, I'm going to take that class, and I went to take the class, and the other people in it were uh, Reb and, you know, Mark Alexander, and, you know, people who had been practicing for a while. And and
0: when is this?
1: 75.
0: Oh. So, from yeah. some, you said you started practicing the week Suzuki Rose, you died. So, yeah. for four years, you'd been struggling
2: doing, along.
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Okay. I got it.
1: So, I was going to this weekly yoga class, and I was sitting for about uh, 10 or 15 minutes a day and reading Zen books. and Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. But trying you had to understand that, what the precepts were and that kind of thing. Yeah. But you,
0: you had that. That um, near-death experience uh, in 71, and that's really when, uh, like, your uh, way-seeking path started then.
1: Yes, and especially Uh what happened was that um, I went to talk to a therapist about it after that. The professor said that thing about the religious experience. And I couldn't get out what the experience had been. I couldn't express myself. I couldn't find the words to talk about it. Yeah, and the and and I got very I was very excited about the experience. It was important to me, and I wanted to get it across, but I couldn't. And the therapist put me on large doses of Valium.
0: Oh, what the hell! You didn't take it, did you?
1: Well, I started taking it, and then I realized this is a real mistake, and yeah. so I uh, I flushed it.
0: Jesus, how horrible! Yeah. God. But
1: what what that what that did to me was uh, I thought, you know, I'm not ready to talk about this. I can't talk about this. I need to do this for twenty years. <coughs> I'm, I'm going to do this for twenty years, and I'm not going to talk about it till twenty years are done. Mm. And and I pr- I kept that promise to myself, so uh, I didn't talk about that experience again till ni- till um, 1991.
0: Oh my gosh, that is something.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. great. Yeah,
2: that's
1: so- and and I I instead, I thought I'm going to find out about this practice. I'm going to do it, and uh, and uh, so that's what I did. I just made every effort to study it, and I'm going to use this. I'm going to use the um, experiences as a, a kind of an inner compass. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought um, I have a somatic understanding of it because it's kind of like that game, warmer, warmer, colder, colder, Yeah. where, you know, mom hides something and then you toddle around and then she says, warmer or colder. Right. And I could hold up my uh, intention into the light of that experience and see if I was warmer or colder. And that's how I navigated practice, and um, mm-hmm. and got closer to uh, uh, my to understanding what my intention was. Mm. But I never could explain it very well for a very long time. Mm. And actually, um, you know, Zantatsu thought I was nuts.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And you know, and he um, he just. He thought there was something wrong with me, and uh, he he had me he kind of surreptitiously had me checked out by a psychologist friend of his uh, to see if there to see if I was uh, okay or not.
0: Who? So what, what do you that, mean, psychologist friend is? Do you remember who?
1: His name was Frank something. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, he was asking me questions like whether I had supernatural experiences with my twin sister and that kind of
0: thing. You had a twin sister? I still do. Cool. Yeah. She's still uh, are, are you fraternal? Or, uh, Identical. I, yeah. Whoa. All right. Well, yeah, I'd she came ask to you came to my that. ordination.
1: Huh? You were there. You know, she came to my ordination. I think you might have been there, too. Um, anyway, we looked alike. Mm. and we were and we were pretty close mm. so so that's what I did. I just practiced, and you know I got ordained and um, and you know I did it, and then um, back in the seventies, I had been going to the potlucks at Berkeley Zen Center, so that when San Francisco Zen Center's apocalypse happened in nineteen eighty three after a while i I began studying with, with Mel and with Reb. And eventually I received Dharma Transmission from Mel.
0: Ah. Wow. And, uh, all right, we'll keep going. <laughs> keep going in what direction? Um, anything you want. Uh, that's really good. It's very concise, too. My gosh. Uh, well, for one... What have been the key elements of your life? I can think of some right now. Like what? Yoga.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so what happened was, you know, um, in the 60s, I used to march for equality mm-hmm. and be in the protests and, and so on. And when I was in high school, I used to go. I used to commute to Columbia. And so um, I received a really good medical Wait a minute. Where did you...
0: Where did you, Where were you born?
1: I was born in Queens. Ah, and um, and uh, uh, when when I was about one and a half, we moved to Valley Stream, uh, uh, to an Irish, Italian neighborhood, uh, and uh, where we were uh, kind of exotic because we were Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of European Jewish, and um, we had family all over the world.
2: Mm.
1: And um, so, in high school, I was um, I was in the New York State uh, band and chorus and orchestra, and then I was also in this very small. Uh, band that played uh, rock and contemporary music uh, hmm. locally.
0: What did you play?
1: I sang and played flute. So we did we did everything with flute solos like Michel Mabel and um, you know California Dreamin and you know and we uh, the flute I was playing was made by Philippe Merci in France and um, and it was bequeathed to me by a patient of my father's
0: and what did your father do?
1: My father was a—he uh, was a doctor. He, he had—he was the University of Vienna class of nineteen thirty-nine, mm. and um, he was an anesthesiologist in England. And then when they got into America, he became a general practitioner. And so he was a school doctor and a general practitioner. And I used to. Um, Learn how to say hello and goodbye and how are you feeling in a number of languages and then I would write it out phonetically for him and he would take the dogs and do house calls for five dollars a pop for anyone over fifty. Huh. And he, he, um, he died in 1974 of, um, basically from Holocaust bitterness. So there was a lot of suffering in my family. Hmm. My mother had a lot of survivor skill, so I'm named for uh, Victoria Victoria Amy. I've kept my English name instead of using... Instead of
0: what? A lot
1: of people use their Dharma names when they're ordained. Oh, yeah. But I decided that uh, my name is or should be part of my Dharma name.
0: What, what is... Vic, 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 Victoria is not very Jewish.
1: No, Victoria is, uh, Victoria Austin doesn't sound Jewish at all. No. But the people I'm named for are Avigdor. Avigdor was my mother's 32 year old brother, uh, who was killed at, uh, in, uh, Buchenwald. Hmm. And uh, Avigdor was an interesting young man. So when, uh, my mother was, um, sponsored by a Quaker family, to escape on the last transport. Um, uh, the, uh, Nazi official said that they hadn't paid for her ticket. And a Victor ran home. He had, um, he had, uh, saved the sweepings. He was a, a goldsmith and he would say, he would melt down the sweepings or, you know, kind of anneal gold from the sweepings at the end of the day. So he plunked down gold and asked the Nazi official if that was enough. And so my mother got on the kinder transport and Victor died. He was taken to concentration camp and died. So that's the source of my name. Victoria is from a Victor. He was also an interesting guy in that he studied Esperanto, and he ah. believed in ah. the idea of a universal language, hmm. and uh, kind of the human race. Uh, could speak uh, a common language as well as their individual languages. Yeah. He's a vegetarian. Yeah. And he oh, he used to, like, jump from some big bridge into the Danube. And uh, he, he was adventurous. And uh-huh. then uh, my middle name is Amy, and that is from Amalia. And that was from their mother. And she... Um, when v- Vigdor turned up missing, she went looking for him, and she was uh, captured and uh, exterminated as well. Mm. So I decided that those names need to be part of my name, and so I'll keep them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so... Um, anyway... Yeah. Uh, so I had a, a, a consciousness of uh, exclusion, of uh, genocide, of um, racism, you know, from a very early age, uh, which I, I kind of internalized and thought that I was a substandard person because I spoke with an accent and uh, looked uh, very Jewish. So I had internalized depression and a kind of a um, traumatized approach to life. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I came to San Francisco Zen Center, it didn't take me long to discover that our schedule was (laughs) extreme and that the ways we did it didn't, um, they didn't support, um, Anyone who had a physical issue, women who were menstruating or pregnant, people who were older, you know, that there was no give for that, that we had an extreme idea of how to practice.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I decided that I was going to uh, switch my yoga uh, studies to Iyengar yoga, which is very precise and therapeutically oriented, So in 1983, I left Tassajara to come and become an Iyengar yoga teacher. And I Mm -hmm. continued to work for San Francisco Sand Center, you know, as the work leader and uh, in the accounting office and so on. Uh, But I also would teach yoga and I would teach a class called Yoga for Sitters and see people and um, learn more about the problems that actual people face when they practice and how to sort them out uh, to use them as um, you know use those problems as dharmagates mm. not in an intellectual way but uh, more in a practical way mm.
2: and mm. so I did
1: and, and, that, and that was one of the things I really loved about Mel you know he allowed himself to be completely imperfect and he uh, he had a, a real creativity um, he uh, that he expressed in gardening in cooking in making things so when I was assisting him in Reb um, I decided that I was going to make things you know the Dharma objects that we made, like Horioki. I uh, I asked a friend of Rick Morton's named Hector Bazanis. Hector um, is trying to save Eastern European music by bringing musicians to the United States. But he's also an incredible woodworker.
2: Yeah, as is Rick Morton.
1: Right. Well, that's they worked in the same place, and that's how I met Hector. Mm. So I asked Rick who to ask you know, if I wanted to get a good lathe worker to make oriokis, and um, so Rick recommended Hector, and I'm really glad I got to meet him, and um, he turned these uh, wood bowls on the lathe, and also helped uh, helped Mel and me design um, uh, American-made whisks for uh, Dharma transmission. Oh. And then, and then I also made, uh, that you know, the. What? Uh, hotons, the little, um, folded paper thing that goes under the Oreo key. And, um, Oh, I didn't know and, that word. Yeah, and I made a bunch of stuff. I learned how to make a bunch of stuff, so I, I made those hotons out of ripstop nylon.
0: Uh
2: huh. So
1: I cut a scrim into nine sections so that it would fold and then make this little origami thing, and it really worked. And you could, it was washable. Ah, and, wow. you know, so I kind of, it was one of the things I really loved about Mel is that um, he didn't mind, you know, me getting practical with people about Zazen position and, you know, using everyday problems as Dharma gates and so on. He was quite okay with that. Mm. And, so, and so I did and all you know the Dharma transmission objects and it was wonderful because um, well, I remember the first time they made the wisps. I went over to a violin store to see if they had horsehair, and they asked what I wanted it for and I told them about Dharma transmission they got super excited and they said they just happened to have some that was too it it uh, they, they ordered it, but it ended up being too short to make violin bows with. So they would give it to me for a huge discount. Huh. Uh, but they got really excited. You know, and the same when I started using kadi. Um khadi is the cloth that Gandhi um, taught the villagers how to make in India when they were exploring Swaraj. And uh, Swaraj means self, uh, self rule or self determination through through truth, Satyagraha, uh, holding to truth. So his idea was that um, because uh, Britain was trying to force domination uh, of India by making Indian people turn their cotton in to be remade into gingham and calico and stuff. And then the Indian citizens would have to buy it back from uh, Great Britain at a um, vastly increased inflated price. right? So Gandhi decided that he was going to spend and make cotton and make it into homespun. And he did, and that cloth is still being made today. It's called khadi, K-H-A-D-I.
0: When, when I Gandhi said, I did that and... Yeah, didn't didn't that set off some sort of uh, I mean we're, like little revolution of many, many people doing the same and yeah, and and it had a significant impact on the cotton market. Is that true?
1: Absolutely. And because of that, he was uh, Gandhi was imprisoned in the Aga Khan's palace in in Pune in India. Hmm. And Pune is just where I happened to be going for um, training uh, yoga training mm. with the Iyengars and particularly training about women's issues in sitting zazen with Gita Iyengar and meditation mm. training with BKS Iyengar and so there just happened to be in Pune City proper um, ashrams uh, that sold uh, the kadi that was made in Gandhi's method, which I started using for Ocasis.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is great. That is great. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> That's, that's the Rajneesh town. Did you run into any of oh, the, God, that? Oh, God, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that part of town is full of drugs and guns. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, there's a black market there. Or at least there was when I went there. And you had to have an AIDS test to get into the, um,
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And, uh, anyway, it was really, um, it was really quite the place. Yeah. So it was known as a, it was, uh, it had a huge, like, underground economy that wasn't, uh, you know, it, was, it kind of ran on bakshish and, um.
0: Bakshish and, is bribery. Yeah. Well, I'm not telling you, but you're using foreign words that other people.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I. I know. I know. Anyway, you don't have to put that part in. But wait. Um, wait, wait
0: a minute. I'm not going to be <laughs> doing things like that. It's all good.
1: Okay. But still, I don't want to make accusations that um, that are uh, just suppositions. So I don't really know that it was run on backstage. I just well, you said it was the rumor.
0: That's good Yeah, it's a rumor. Don't worry. Okay. Look, everybody knows about about uh, uh, Rajneesh's trip there and everything. I didn't go in because I didn't know it was like 20 bucks to get in. It was too much money. Yeah, I know. It
1: was way too much money. But did you go to the German bakery across the street? It was really good. Oh. Yeah, so I used to go uh, there because I actually had bread. But, you know, that was – that was good. So anyway, occasionally I would go there to eat, um, but um, there was a lot of money there. There was a lot of, um, uh, and uh, it, it, I always, I never felt really very sick
0: there. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. So
1: uh, let's see what else um, besides uh, training in India with the Ayangars. I also got very interested in international Soto Zen Mm -hmm. um, because um, I feel that uh, it takes like 500 years to transmit Zen that um, Mm -hmm. as Suzuki Roshi's living presence uh, becomes known by fewer people because because people are aging out, uh, I think that, um, you know, we run the risk of turning Zen practice, uh, of, of, uh, doing Zen practice in our own image. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, turning into, uh, the life that we're actually trying to have insights about. You know, uh, uh, of, uh, we run the risk of, um uh, remaking Zen, uh, not in, not in enlightened ways, but in, uh, ways that are very strongly limited by our biases. Yeah. And so I wanted to continue to study with Japanese teachers. So I did, with Indian teachers as well.
0: Wait a minute. You, would you please, uh, uh, give us some names?
1: Well, um, I don't know if you remember that, uh, in 1991, there was what's called a Tokubetsu Sashin at Tasahara. Right. And I was um, um, assisting uh, to make that Sashin happen. So the person I assisted was Saekawa Dosho, mm. um, and who was uh, later. Uh, part of the practice leadership at Sojiji. And he was also part of the practice leadership of South America. Mm. He was the bishop of South America for some time.
0: Mainly Brazil, Um, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he was a really kind, he was was really lovely to work with. And um, I continued to study. So there was another one of them in 1995 in... um, at Green Gulch and a lot of my Izumi Roshi students came Yeah, and uh, the Narasaki Roshi brothers came. Yeah. Both of them. And, um, you know, there were a bunch of uh, American teachers who had studied in Japan and it was basically an outgrowth of what used to be called the second generation group, but it wasn't second generation anymore after a while. Um, uh, at the second, that second took Betsy uh Mel and Tetsuken again, and a couple of other people started um, SCBA. Uh, the Southern Buddhist Association.
0: S Z B A. Oh right, Buddhist sure.
1: Association, right? Yeah. So um, and um, I roomed with uh, Wendy and from VCLA. Oh yeah, I really
0: and, like her. Uh,
1: Yeah, we did a lot of that stuff, and eventually I went to Japan and uh, went to a kind of boot camp that they did for those of us who were doing say in Japan, and I became Mm -hmm. a Nito Kyoshi, and, uh, you know, like a second-level priest, not a fancy priest, but just, you know, your kind of basic-level Zen priest in Japan. Yeah,
0: um, wait a minute, I I want you to define something here. Would you please yes. define Zwise?
1: Yeah, Zuisei is um, uh, a ritual by which uh, Dharma-transmitted priests... It's one of two rituals by which Dharma-transmitted priests become um, acknowledged priests in, in Japan. So one is A where you change the color of your robes, and the other one is Zuisei, where you visit the um, home temples of Aheiji and Sojiji. And it was called Suisei for a while, and then for a while a a new administration decided to call it Haito when it was done by foreign um, priests. Uh, But the essence of it was the same.
0: Um, Uh, That's what uh, a lot of people have called uh, Abbot for a day, right?
1: Right, except that when it was Haitoi, we didn't wear the red robe and weren't abbots for a day, but we did, we were doshi, uh, at morning service mm-hmm. at, at age in Sojiji. Mm-hmm. And we also got to, um, go to the, uh, the, the um, uh, the places where Dogenzenji and Keisan Zenji are enshrined, which is really something. Mm. So it was preceded by a month of intensive training at Suyochi. Hmm. Which is the Dogen Temple in Japan. And um you know You said
0: Zuiyoji?
1: Zuiyoji, Z U I O J I. Is that so in it's Shikoku? In, it's a yeah, it's Ni- Niigata. It's like it it's on the you know, it's on the the twenty two temple right, pilgrimage.
0: Right. Isn't that Narazaki's wow, you know temple?
1: Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Narazaki's temple.
0: Uh which one?
1: The uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, which one? It it's just the it's just called Zuiogi. No, no, which, which
0: Narazaki?
1: <laughs> both Narazakis.
0: Oh, they're both associated with that. I wasn't sure about that. All right.
1: No, they both were there, and uh, except that uh, Narazaki ibo Roshi had died mm. when I went there. Although he had been, uh, you know, at the Tokubetsu Sashin
0: Hmm. hmm. Anyway, um, um, wait, then, wait. You yeah. said that's. You said that's. Um, you identified it as something with Dogen. Would you? Would you? Please explain yeah. that. Say it of, again. Of course. So
1: you know that we read the Shobogenzo uh, like a, um, as if it's you know just a profound document of philosophy, but they use the Shobogenzo as a manual for uh, practice in the monastery. So they do all the things that are in the shobogenzo. So that that thing about how to wash your face, they do that. The thing about how to go to the toilet, they do that. The Tenzo follows the Tenzo kyoken. The um, the Rokuchiji follows the Ehe Shingi. They do all those things.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: very, very interesting... What's so interesting, though, is that, uh, anyway, uh, there were a lot of um, things that I think people would be upset if I talked about, so I won't. But one of the things that they, uh, they let me Lord, do... Good Lord,
0: come on. But, no,
1: I'm oh, not going to Oh, people talk would be upset
0: stuff. if you talked about it. So you want what, what, you want a uh, just the nice side of things?
1: No, it's not like that. It's like there's stuff that's personal. Oh, uh, all right. That, well, that's that okay. You don't about. need
0: that. But if it has to do with institutional development or uh, the general culture of a place, or problems oh, no, no,
1: no. like that, no, you should bring that. it. It's it like, should be brought let's just up. Let's say that we were we were a rebellious group, and we got we got um, strongly disciplined for for it, and uh, and they uh, they uh, decided to. Um, Let's say suspend the program after we graduated from it.
0: They did How's decide. That? They did decide to do that.
1: They did decide that.
0: Um, come on, that, <laughs> it, this is nothing personal. This is this is important. What do you mean? Do I mean you think it's What do Well, uh, let's uh,
1: uh, you know, we weren't model Japanese Zen students, and we questioned authority. Yeah. In various ways. And there were some things like, uh, some rules that Americans would find really, um, inappropriate. Like, for instance, if you couldn't sit on a zafu and you needed a chair, you would always have to sit in a chair. You could never sit on a zafu. You would yeah. always have to sit the same way. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with that.
0: Well, I'm familiar with that sort of thinking, but go on now. Yeah. This is, this is important.
1: Okay, so, but I think that, um, the highlight of it, uh, came, uh, at the end of the month when, um, oh, let's just say that, um, one day, um, uh, uh, people, uh, who were in the Tokus Betsu Sashin, uh, uh broke a rule. I can't remember exactly what rule it was, but it was bad. And um, it, it was seen as culturally bad. And uh, maybe there, there might have been a buildup of um, little rule-breaking or not understanding or something, but they suspended our four- and nine-day privileges. We had been going on field trips and from then on, we couldn't go on field trips. We had to stay home during four and nine days and just be in the temple and do, you know, kind of um, uh, culturally improving things, <laughs> which as adults we didn't like. And so I, I think the essence of the cultural conflict is important to state. So what happened was... Um, after the whole Tokubetsu, uh, after the whole, I'm sorry, it wasn't Tokubetsu, it was a month-long training, kind of like a boot camp. Uh, after it was done, they sat us in a big circle and asked for feedback. And one of the people said, you know, we're grown-ups and we're teachers. It would be nice if you treated us that way and not like new monks. And um, so there was a silence during which I heard uh, two of the Japanese administrators whispering to each other in Japanese. And they were saying stuff like, Honey, you're in our country now. Yeah. Right? So there was a huge, there was a cultural divide. Because what uh, the Japanese monks really wanted us to learn was a kind of a civilization, a kind of an etiquette yeah. of respect. Yeah, and they wanted us to learn. You know that whole um, piece of Japanese culture in which you have a public face that's geared towards um, the collective um, education or collective atmosphere as the most important thing, and the individual is subject to that yeah so the harmony of the situation comes first, yeah and um and uh the uh Americans uh didn't understand that that was a value that uh, we were not just supposed to intellectually understand but actually do as a kind of prerequisite. it was a cultural training, yeah. So the Americans, uh, several of the Americans, did learn the forms and knew the forms really well. But um, there was a, a basic sense of friction about respect and what it was and what it meant.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, you know, uh, the book I wrote, Thank You and Okay, An American Dividend. Zip- yeah, Party I remember. Well, yeah, I love that book. It's it's a lot of it. It's about Zuiochi. Yeah. That's the, you know, uh the the character Norman in it is known in Chawani, And uh-huh. a lot uh, of the uh, really? stories are his extreme <laughs> frustration of uh, practicing for several years there. And yeah. you know, he was he was rebellious but he he did it and he was rebellious and and uh, uh, so I've heard a lot about Oji and that, and you know I was at uh, what was it called Shogoji. Uh, yeah. the little uh, they tried the ba- to make an international temple. temple. Yeah, and it, yeah. It, it didn't last long, and uh, yeah. and uh, but but it was it was there it was good, and I became very very close with monks there, and kind of was there when I was there, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I would hear things like, you know, at AHG, they do it this way, but we do it the way Dogen did it. And there was a real sense of we we're doing the real Dogen practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And, uh, yeah, and of course, Nonan had, let's say, a very hard humor about this whole
2: thing.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: so, uh, yeah. So he, yeah, stuck, with he, stuck, with he stuck with it. He stuck
0: with it. He stuck with it.
1: Well
0: it was he was like, stubborn.
1: He would he 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 said he was Midwestern stubborn.
0: Boy, yeah, but, but 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 you know, he, he gained a lot of respect from people. Uh he he was incredibly rude to uh I don't remember which narrative, I get him mixed up. Uh yeah. but uh uh, uh he spoke his mind. And uh, I don't know. Somehow they worked it out over several years. Yeah, uh, men
1: can do that. Women can't, you
0: know. I uh, absolutely uh, believe you know, that. So like
1: my experience in Japan is that as long as I memorized 50 different ways to say sumimasen, <laughs> uh, everything was just fine. Yeah. You know, so like sumimasen and junto di sumimasen and, you yeah. know, just – uh, yeah, sort you know, of like or, you know, a little high voice, come in the say you yeah, know, yeah. or whatever. The woman, you know, as a woman, I have to speak like an octave higher than my regular right. voice and, you know, like kind of bent over and stuff. So, Well,
0: uh, yeah, uh, you know, Dick uh, Baker said I heard, I heard, uh, basically they, they think of American women like men.
1: Well, sometimes.
0: Yeah, Uh you know, if it's one like his wife, Jenny, who stands up yeah. uh, for herself, it ain't going to be part of it. And you see, it, you can see why Dick wouldn't put up with it. You know, he, he, he Suzuki Rush came to AAG to visit him there, and he'd been there a while, you know. And he said, I am leaving with you. I am not staying here. This has nothing to do with our practice. They want me to be a... Good Japanese prisoner. I'm not going to Suzuki Roshi begged him to stay. Please, just stay one practice. Well, yeah, and he would. And just
1: the whole thing—the whole thing about um, completely skipping out on the offer to study transmission with Noiri Roshi—that was a huge mistake.
0: Well, you, you heard about that, right? Okay, go on and tell me.
1: Well, no, my understanding about it is—is is that. Um, is that uh Suzuki Roshi had arranged for um, for Richard to study with Noiri Roshi and uh established the practice of um, transmission according to the you know the Denbo Shitsunai shiki and uh, uh on which Noiri Roshi was a uh, uh, you know he was very experienced and that uh when uh, when he went to the Rinzai Temple instead, that um, there was uh, a lot of very polite but nevertheless present um, uh, kerfuffle about that.
0: Yeah, they just regarded him as arrogant in Japan. They regarded him and him and, uh, uh, Graham Grandpa as being arrogant Americans, uh, yeah. although Graham less so, I'd say. Uh, because Graham was English, Graham was not American. That's right? The thing. No, but yes. still, uh, and uh, the ones they really liked were Gene Ross and Philip Wilson in those early days. Yeah. Uh, and somehow, <laughs> a Gene I can see, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I had monk, uh, I had a monk in a train come up to me. Uh, and, and talked to me about Jean Ross and how wonderful she was. What uh, I, I guess we were coming from Aheji, uh, and but Philip, wow! I mean, well, th- I'm, sh- Philip, I'm sure they loved you. They loved Philip, and
1: I'm sure they loved you for completely different reasons.
0: Well, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I wasn't at Aheji. I was studying with Harada uh, Roshi, the Rinzai. Uh yeah. I just visited Soto stuff. Uh but anyway, yeah. Look look, Dick never ever could have studied with Noiri. Uh Noiri was regarded as the pinnacle of the he was the most respected uh Roshi in uh Japan from those Wyoji people. Yeah, uh, uh he was he was it, you know. And to, to them he was above AH and all that. And of course, his temple was right near Rinso And he was Hoitsu's teacher, not Suzuki Roji. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh I I asked uh Hoit uh I, was too old for me to meet when I was there. I asked Hoitsu if I could meet him. He said, I can't even meet him. Uh but yes. look, Jeff Broadbent lived And studied with no earring. And Uh I I think if you hear what he has to say about it, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it it, it, it never, ever, ever could have done it. For one thing, uh, Jeff spoke conversational Japanese. You know, right? He, right, he could, you probably he, had to. Wait, well, no, uh, Jeff uh, uh, lectured in sociology extemporaneously in Japanese. Dick didn't he learn did? Japanese like that. Oh my know? gosh! Now, no, no, yeah. no way! Um, and no, 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 that Dick absolutely could not have done it. And for Suzuki Roush to thought there was a chance in hell for Dick to have done it just shows he. He, he, he was a lot of wishful thinking think, on his part. He
1: didn't just think there was a chance at hell. He asked him. And the weirdo, well, no. P- she said yes.
0: Well, yeah, but he wouldn't once it got started. He couldn't take it.
1: It wouldn't have. You, you think it just wouldn't have. Um, oh, no. It wouldn't have taken. Yeah. No.
0: Look, it takes very special people to put up with to that stuff that. and go into it. And they can't say things like, I'm an American teacher. I want respect. That's not they. That's not the way they do things. If you go somewhere to study something, they regard you as a baby.
1: And well, tell me about it.
0: Yeah, right? I was.
1: I was. Listen, I was. I was the one. Um, you know, who as a woman had to bathe in the dregs of the bathwater. For instance, you know, I was the one who had to clean that pump out after a billion young men used it, right? Uh, why is that funny?
2: Uh, oh,
1: pardon me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is funny, but still, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe it wasn't funny for you. Well, look, so Genshi, where I was, Harada Roshi was completely respectful of women. Men and women yeah. practiced together there. His uh, number oh, yeah. one student Actually, was a woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was very traditional, old-fashioned in many ways. He just happened to have had one of those personalities that was very open in many ways. Yeah. Uh, like Suzuki Roshi, it, 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 different. But um, he, people would come in and talk to him. And I would bring in people and talk to him like like Ivan would uh, introduce Suzuki Roshi to stuff about American Indians. And he would be interested. Yeah. Well, Harada's yeah. that way. That is not yeah. usual. You yeah, know?
1: No, it's not. Hoitsu is actually incredibly special.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, he is.
1: I loved being at Ritsu Inn. And, um, you know, and uh, I don't know if you were ever there for the temple fair.
0: No, no. I've just been there to visit and say hi.
1: Okay, so um Blanche and uh Blanche did two month-long intensives. And um the first one was just women. The second one Mel and Blanche did together. They were like the odd couples. The so Blanche always wanted to do dog in Zenji's way and sleep in the Zendo. But she really snored. And Mel was like, we're in Japan. You know, let's, let's see some art. Let's, let's go out and look at stuff. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. Was, it was really, it was humorous. And yeah. so, uh, uh, but Hoetsu, uh one of the things that happened one time I was there was that Koitsu uh, does this annual temple fair, he did. And so what he used to do is invite artists from all around, particularly potters. And uh, where Shingo is living now used to be a kiln. And so all the potters used to throw pots and then bring them, and they would all sit around in loincloths and drink sake and sing under this big tree. That was right by the kill.
0: Mm.
1: And so it was was like kind of raucous and Mm. fun. And
0: Mm. and like really. Wonderful.
1: Amazing. And uh, he would also do calligraphy. And it was. He he has such a sense of humor and kindness.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: uh, Chitosay-san would do Ikebana. And then this whole group of old ladies would make Oden. And uh, what I decided to do was. Uh, there was a whole bunch of da- Natsumikon that was ripe.
0: There was what, know, what? What?
1: What? Natsumikon, Tangerines? That they were all ripe. Oh, and right, 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 no, right. Okay. I no one it. was picking them. So I picked them and I made like two gallons of, uh, marmalade. And then there were these families who, uh, I had done, uh, I was part of the group that did the tokbetsu around Yaizu. And it was like doing trick-or-treat for UNICEF, right? So they were really, really friendly, and they gave us brown rice because we were Americans. And oh, and that's
0: that that's incredible. That's- yeah, they, they they got it special. And, wow. But one of the
1: things that they happened to mention was, you know, um, uh, or holy who mentioned it to me, I can't remember, was that they some of them had waffle irons. So I made two gallons of uh, marmalade. And then I borrowed all the waffle irons and made hundreds and hundreds of waffles.
2: Oh, my for gosh. Temple
1: fair. And I packaged them up all Japanese, you know. <gasps> so, you know, I quartered the waffles on their little seams. And I put the marmalade into little containers and tied it with raffia. And uh, we sold it as part of the temple fair.
0: Wow! And it was
1: all gone in eight minutes.
0: Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. That is wonderful. I have stayed it at, at um, Rinsuin, but never when, I'm, I'm, I've you know, I've sat with him. I've sat with his Satsang Kai, which would meet, what, once a week, once a month. Yeah. Uh, and uh, – Well, I think, I think uh, it's once a week now, Shungo, does it? He, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I've spent a lot of time with the family, you know, but it would be like yeah. – but. Once it was there to do research for crooked cucumber, and that was a couple of weeks. That's uh great. Uh, and um, although I had to go over, thank you and okay for the final time during that period, uh, Penguin FedExed it to me, and I had stay. I stayed up all night going over it,
2: wow. and
0: FedExed it back. Uh, yeah, at their cost. Uh-huh. Anyway, that yeah, Rinso and Oyster Dib. Well, they're they're quite. It's unique. Uh,
1: it's it's completely and and being right on the edge of the national park. It's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. There are, I mean, I know, I mean, there there are many ways in which there is cultural conflict or. Uh, you have to be careful uh, in 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 being there. I mean, there's still Japanese, and we're Americans, uh, and <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know, and temples are are more uh, worried about. Uh, they're more conservative uh, sort of culture, and, and and they're very concerned about what neighbors think and all sorts of things. But uh, anyway, but he
1: was like showing us off. Yeah. Uh, not exactly, but um, he integrated us into the life, and people were very curious about us. Mm. We were the only white and black people in town. Ah. They were really, really kind, and, and Mrs. Suzuki uh, came. And, oh, wonderful. You know, and uh, all the musicians, you know, his family's so musical. Mm. Uh, musicians came, and Um, and he was just really kind. Yeah. And, and that kindness, uh, extended when he went, he went back to Aheji and was Godo and then he was Tonto. No, he was Tonto and then
0: he was Godo.
1: Oh, Tonto and then he was Godo, that's right. And then all the, um, you know, the, um, physical punishment just kind of petered out. While he
0: was there. Oh, well, that's very important. It's uh, really good to hear instantly. How is are going to age? Hey, you becoming tanto? Okay, I can believe that. But he became godo. That's just like next step to being an abbot. I was just.
1: Well, actually, you know, and and it's continued. I mean, he was made the abbot of a temple in Tokyo recently. So he. Oh really? A there. He was. Um, yeah, and that's.
0: And he was going to like, Okayama to lead. As, or to sit to lead session to be part of a session uh, in a, a, a Soto practice temple there I didn't even know it was there in Okayama.
2: Right, exactly.
0: Uh, and so
1: he really gets around, and um, and he's incredibly well respected. And then Shungo was like monk of the year. He was a uh, he was considered to be a really exemplary monk at A.H.E. He's disciplined. Yeah.
0: He's he's more disciplined than holy. I know, soap.
1: but but if you think about when he was a kid and he said he would never become a monk, do you remember that?
0: Uh, no, I don't. I don't know about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, anyway, I just I think it's a very interesting family. I also think it's too bad that Robbie died. Uh, oh, Robbie
0: and I were. Oh no, that's friends. a real tragedy. Oh, it's, it's one American. Dharma heir that actually studied with him. Uh, yeah. Uh, very sad. And, was
1: really, and and Mrs. Suzuki loved Robbie.
0: Actually, yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. Uh, I have a, I mean, um, I haven't talked about my relationship with Mrs. Suzuki yet. Uh, but she, um, she was my teacher for about 18 years. And, um, I used to study sewing with her in the Buddha Hall. Alright, wait a minute. I, I do want to, let's, finished.
0: let's do that next, but I want to go back to one thing. The, yeah. the Tokobatsu session, Tokobatsu yeah. just means special, right? That's at, right. At, That's exactly um, what it means. Uh, at, uh, Zuiogi, how many of you were there and, and who can you remember was there, was part of it? Oh, uh,
1: there was like, uh, eight people there. Uh, from Europe and the United States, and um, uh, let's see. Um, I think I have I have notes about who was there, but like Igo from Spain, and Marosa from Italy, and uh, there was a man who was kind of a banker from Switzerland, and. Uh there were a lot of people from our lineage like um, um, uh how many Seigetsu, did you say that,
0: how many did you say there seven were seven
1: or eight uh, uh Westerners. Say uh who's Dennis Leahy, Yo Dennis Leahy. Oh uh, yeah Grace Grace Shearson, oh yeah uh, Galen Godwin yeah. and me. Uh, Daigaku came uh to help Administer it.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, Shohaku came. I was his jisha. Wow,
0: that's great. He came great. to give
1: uh, special lectures. They asked me to teach yoga to the monks, which I did. Hmm. Um, there, there were, uh, you know, uh, so that, that's who was there.
0: That, look, that's impressive. They asked you to teach yoga to the monks.
1: It was, it was uh it really was. It was it was very interesting and it, it, it there was another thing about cultural difference because uh, you know, the monks weren't used to um being in unusual physical positions. And so they were laughing and stuff and I made a sound inadvertently, which they thought was a, a that I was chastising them and they froze and I had to Kind of undo it and have a sense of humor and stuff.
2: Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I think they really enjoyed
1: it. And then there was there was some sort of um, like uh, maybe an unwritten social rule that they shouldn't ask for stuff for themselves. And surreptitiously, several of the monks came to me afterwards and asked me for yoga practices for their sisters or for their friends. You know, uh-huh. so that was interesting. Yeah. Which I
0: did. Oh that's really <laughs> very interesting.
1: I sent so, them a copy of, of Light on Yoga. I don't oh, know if they oh. kept it or did it afterwards. Who, whose book is that? BKSI Angar. Huh? Uh BKSI Angar's book.
0: Yeah, okay. From,
1: from the sixties.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um so there were three three females.
1: There were they were no, they were uh, let's see, Grace, uh, Marosa, uh, Galen and me. There
0: were four. So half of you were female. Yep. So the males went first in the baths, and then the females. Yep. All right. Well, the image I got after a while the way you uh, told you know, it was there was this whole group. What well, was like no, all the,
1: the monks all bathed too? Oh
0: my God! All right, so it was like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. First, right. at, at first, when we were when they still thought we were good. The females got to use the abbots' bath after the abbots used it. But then that was one of the privileges they took away. And they had us <laughs> bathed in the regular bath late. Uh,
0: yeah, wow. which
1: was a, you know, that was a message. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, all right. Now I'm, I want to get into the uh, Me Too. But oh,
1: oh, and then the other thing about, yeah. one more thing about the is the Sashin, Uh, I I learned through experience that as the senior um, person, the senior practitioner there, that if there was wrongdoing, I was responsible for it. So I was the one who had to make the apology on behalf of the group.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Hmm. And they had this whole apology ritual, which uh, they didn't have me do, but they made sure I knew about which was that if you did something that affected the community, it wasn't just bowing at work meeting. It was taking an incense box and going to, you know, going to the doans and getting an incense box, apologizing to them with a the full prostration, and then going to every single person who had been affected, from the most senior to the least senior, making an incense offering and bowing, and then asking apology asking forgiveness from the whole yeah, at Chosan.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the, this is, the, you know, the people that have gone to Japan uh, from America and Europe studies in, um, that, there's a number of stories that, that of course, I don't know, are examples. But basically it seems to me there are those that have gone to uh, practice temples, that uh, adapted to Westerners, uh, that yeah. the the um, uh, 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 Soginshi and and I just lived next door, you know, with Elon. I was a layperson, and I went over there, uh, and sat uh, like three four days a week. I had no no responsibility or anything, you know. I would, uh-huh. We were we were running a language school pretty much, under the yeah. table, uh, and then there's um a whole. Uh, the, the, the two in Obama, Bukokji and Hoshinji, uh, both yeah. in the Harada, Yas, you know, t- type of yeah. uh, line that Yasutani was in. Uh, yeah. And, uh, the, 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 you know, each one of them had its own character, but uh, men and women could study at them and they were all – just very enlightenment oriented and uh, yep. not uh, mimitsu no kafu, you know, attention to yeah. detail stuff oriented. Yeah. More rough and tumble type zim. But um, Ho Shinji is empty now.
2: Really?
0: That's what I've heard. And wow. Bukokichi, you know, uh, after, I, I don't know what happened after Tangun Moshi died. Uh, but um uh, uh you 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 read that article that that fellow wrote um i can't remember who on uh, the, the, how Zen is dying in japan and the
1: i read that article yeah
0: uh but what do you and, think and about people, that
1: well and people think that um it's become just more administrative and stuff well what's really interesting though is like i feel like my experiences uh, well, on the one hand, maybe there's some truth to that, but I feel like my experiences there have been very valuable and have given me a real different understanding of practice. And uh, I feel like even if there's only 10 people practicing Zen in Japan or five people or one person, that it's still a perspective that it's good for us to understand.
0: Yeah. Well, you're, you're somebody that, 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 you're, you're, you're a person that took advantage of, of another way that people have gone to Japan, which is to immerse in, uh, uh not just a practice of Zim, but in, uh, the, the sort of cultural imperatives and, uh, uh, pressures, uh, that, uh, the, Soto Zen training temple will put one under, uh, and some people have have done done well in them.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't do it for long, but I I still do the um, a bunch of Soto Zen stuff. Like last November, we had a hundredth anniversary uh, uh, kind of jukai in honor of the hundredth anniversary of Zen Shuji, and. Over a hundred people received the precepts. About a hundred people received the precepts. From Akiba Roshi.
0: In, in LA. And, in LA.
1: In LA. And I ran the, um, I ran the, uh, Ryoban. And, um, I had, a, what's that? The Ryoban is the, you know, nominally the, um, kind of, um, officers, uh, but it's really the, Cast of thousands who's um, on in on the main platform doing the ceremonies. Mm. So it's uh, basically it's the people who are on stage,
2: mm.
1: who are not in roles like Doan and Jisha and teacher and stuff like that. Mm. So we're the ones doing the full bows and the chanting and the, the you know the procession and stuff. And um, it was an amazing experience. So I have to say that the um, the experience of working with uh, Kojima Sensei and um, a bunch of the other people at Zenshuji was one of the best um, community experiences of doing a work project that I've ever um, had in my whole life. Mm. So um, they would. Um, there was a sense of kind of inclusion. And in, in what was important to them in their lives, that um, that's pretty rare in a work environment. And, um, and I had a big success there, although it seems like a really little thing. Um, so uh, they wanted me to organize the Ryoban and rehearse with them over the course of about a year. So I started at the beginning of uh, 2022. And... We rehearsed until November. And uh, we did it by Zoom because of the pandemic. Yeah, And yeah. I soon noticed that the people in the Ryoban were mostly 60 to 80 years old. And several of them had knee replacements or hip replacements or medical conditions. And it, indeed, you know, during the course of the year, one of them died. You know, so it was kind of... Um, I did a survey to find out um, who could come for what rehearsals, and how, and what kind of physical accommodations might they need, and uh, what kind of um, ceremonial experience they had. And I was able to get um, the Soto people to understand and accommodate. Through providing chairs and Zafus for the Ryoban and the possibility of standing bows. And that you wouldn't have to use a chair the whole time if you used a chair. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Well, that's good. <laughs> no.
1: And, no, really, this was actually a success. This was a change from...
0: Really? Um, you mean, yeah, not, maybe maybe real- you're in America now and and still... You, no,
1: we were you, doing this Japanese ceremony in a Japanese temple, uh, you know, like in a temple with uh, sansei. But basically, there were a lot of sansei. Sansei, third there.
0: generation.
1: Yeah, and uh, not yonsei, sansei. Yeah, uh, so a lot of old people generation. who are cult- culturally really Japanese, and it was to honor the Japanese tradition. And there were a lot of Soto people coming there. And in the, uh, there was a breakout ceremony in May that was another several days of ceremony, and the head of Sojiji came, you know? So it was like, and the head of the education center and all those people who that person's uh, article said, you know, Zen was dead about. And they all came and they were very kind of thrilled and moved by yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we were doing and... Uh, Galen um, had an interview with Aoyama Roshi that was pretty widely publicized about women in practice, and I think that we're giving them new life. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that um, they're looking, they're searching hard for um, how to bring uh, the Zen practice into the Japanese of into the Japan of the twenty first century. And also internationally. And um, uh, I think that what's going to happen is that the Japanese administration and system is going to pair way way down. And that there's going to be organizations in the particular countries that maintain relationships with Japan. Yeah. And um, I think that's super important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, well, my understanding from uh, the, what I have heard is that you know more about all this than anybody uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, around, you know, around the center, or maybe in America. And uh, um, I can't remember who was telling me this. Uh, it talked about that that you you have assisted in more transitions and more of the important ceremonies. In the Suzuki Roshi lineage, mainly around San Francisco Zen Center, I guess, uh, than anyone.
1: Well, I've done a lot of them. It was probably Ed Brown. Um, uh, Could be. That. Could yeah. be. Uh, you know, so... Um, Ed I, don't Ed. I don't think it was Ed. I don't think it was Okay. Ed. Well, it might have been... Uh, I don't know who it was, but whoever it was, they're probably right. I've assisted in about 50 for more <laughs> yeah, Dharma right, transmissions
0: right. well, you were involved with right no uh,
1: i i just helped a little with hers but that, i didn't really help because i had covid and then i had ah. long covid oh. i was supposed to be the instructor for it but i didn't want to give them covid so i wow. stayed away that's right though. so Ar- arlene did it yeah but yeah but i've done a lot of i done a lot of them and um and I'm actually going to Tassajara Thursday to, you know, check out the red curtains and the lotus canopy and the big big chair uh, to see if rats ate them during the pandemic or whatever. And uh, because Paul's going to give Dharma transmission oh. to a couple people, oh, that's and strange. I want to I want to check it out before,
0: I, yeah,
1: you know, kind of go to the hospital.
0: Smart move. So
1: I'm going to do that but you know i i kind of um it's a really lovely thing to do and mel introduced me to that practice mm. and uh i did a i uh i did it uh for blanche a lot and um even with zenju's dharma transmission um blanche was already at age song and i um i created a contract and asked Christina Lanehair to uh, witness it for me,
2: mm-hmm. um, which was
1: kind of a kirigami that um, Blanche said, you know, that first five-minute ceremony uh, really carries the essence of Dharma transmission, and she, um, her health was fading, and um, but that Zenju could consider herself to have received Dharma transmission from Blanche and that I could finish it.
2: Mm. So I did, yeah. Mm.
1: And then I made um, walking to Blanche's part of the ceremony and, Mm. um, you know, uh, stripped down Blanche's um, room with the hospital bed and everything and put a chair in it, covered the chair with a cover. And got someone in to dress her up in her robes and stuff, and so she did that ceremony—the first five-minute ceremony—and then nine months later, we did the rest of it.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I did a lot
1: with men, you know, and people with various in various traditions.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what- Tell us about your relationship with Mitsu Suzuki, who, of course, we all called Oksan and then later, uh, which means yeah. wife, of course, and then later, uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Suzuki-sensei. Uh,
2: uh, right. Later. Yeah.
0: And um, what were you saying then?
1: Oka-san.
0: <laughs> well, that's you true. Know,
1: later, she became more venerable, right? Right, right. Oksan's
0: wife, Oka-san, is like, uh, what is that, yeah. grandmother?
1: Yeah, Yeah. Grandma. Yeah, God. And then finally, uh, Reb posthumously ordained her and gave her another name. Oh,
2: cool. Cool.
1: Yeah, but she was, um, so I started started in the sewing class with her, making jubans and helping um, and, uh, you know, kind of taking apart robes and learning how to make kimonos and um, and uh, Hipparis. And um, so we handmade them for uh, some time. And then one day she said to me, uh, What's the matter with you? You don't like tea? Yeah. I, I didn't know what she meant, but she meant that she wanted me to come study tea ceremony with her. Yeah. And so I said, Yes, of course I like tea. And then she said, wine uh, you know come and take tea ceremony and I did and um I was very bad at it and uh, I was so bad that um you know she used to hit me with her fan and say, you know bigy son every time same mistake why you study tea <laughs> you know or then like one time she said uh, uh, biggie son next step uh step you know. So she she suggested that I commit harikiri. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, I did something
2: really bad,
1: and then she. That's pretty say, far but, out. Like I won't, you know. I uh, she'd start teaching me something, and then she'd say stuff like, "No, I'm not going to teach you that. I don't want you to go crazy, and I don't want to go crazy."
0: Uh, that's um, yeah, funny. Yeah, when you did. said sempuku, yeah. I thought, does that word mean something else? Is, is, is there <laughs> no. another? Because there are, you know, there are words like yeah, that I that know. have multiple meanings. And then I no. thought, that was really funny. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But then she, she, she um, uh, you know, she would invite me over to have um, breakfast with her really a lot. And um, she would ask me to cut the grapefruit because that's what Suzuki Roshi did. Ah. And she would, um, you know, um, I noticed that in the morning she would, uh, you know, she'd get up and then she'd uh, make the little... After she uh, had the stomach problem, she stopped sitting in the zendo for a long time.
2: Hmm. And
1: uh, instead she would just get up and she'd make a food offering to Suzuki Roshi and ring the bell three times. And then she would... um go down to the courtyard and comb out her hair and she would say hello to each bird and each flower in the courtyard. Mm. And uh, I asked her about it one time and she said she did that because those were her friends. Mm. You know, and um, what else? She had a wicked sense of humor. So another time uh, she was coming for Blanche's, I think it was Mountain Seat, and uh, I I went to the airport and Otohiro was there and
0: Suzuki's son, there. his younger I, son.
1: Yeah, and I was lugging the luggage around and uh, driving, and I got really sweaty and brought it up to her room, and she asked me if I would have tea with her, and we did. We had tea together, and she gave me this treat, and it was great. And then she started. Uh, she suddenly remembered. That she had said that she would give a speech at Miyako Hotel and asked if I'd drive her there, which I did. And then she, um, she goes in there and she's all dressed up. They're all dressed up. And, um, you know, they're really refined in their dress. Yeah. And she says, um, basically, and Robbie's there translating for me and she's saying, Hello, everybody! It's so good to see you after such a long time. I brought you a wonderful treat from Japan. And then she looks at me, and then she says, "But she ate it."
0: that's very good.
1: (laughs) And then this whole room full of extremely refined people in kimonos, you know, and hairspray, and summer voile suits, and matching ties, and handkerchiefs and stuff the whole group of people kind of sits up and goes (gasps) turns their heads towards me
0: Uh well that's that's interesting uh, that you say that because um, uh, they they don't tend to joke like that and I always found out uh, that uh, I would make some outrageous joke and people would sort of take it seriously
1: (laughs) Well they took it seriously and yeah. then a Robbie is practically rolling on the floor with laughter and then Mrs. Suzuki let out an enormous belly laugh and then everybody laughed and
0: uh-huh. it was okay uh-huh.
1: you know but uh, I think her sense of humor was unusual for Japan
0: Oh too. listen uh, you know in in uh talking to Japanese through the years uh who knew uh, both, uh, uh, uh Shunyu and Mitsu Suzuki. Actually, I don't even know if her name was ever officially Suzuki, but, uh, uh, uh that's not important. Uh, uh, they, they would point out, I mean, like, Maizumi would point out, and, uh, Riho Yamada would point out, and so many of them pointed out that one of the most unusual things about Suzuki Roshi was his relationship with his wife, Mitsu, and how, what a strikingly different woman she was. Now, I was at Rinso-in <laughs> before she went back to Japan. Yeah. And I said to Chitose-san, uh, you know, Ohitsu's wife, I said, so will, um Mitsu be living here? In the temple, you know, she never lived in the temple. She and Suzuki, she never lived together till she came to America. No, uh, no.
1: well, her daughter built her a, a you know, a, a, a place with a western toilet in Shizuoka.
0: Oh, right, right. And yeah. she, she, of course, she was going to go live with her daughter. But I asked me, I asked, uh, she so told me, I said, she said, "Well, so, so well, will Mitsu be coming to live here?" She went, "Oh no, no, she <laughs> couldn't live here." You know, pretty much what she said. In a discreet way, but she's much too abrasive to uh, oh, really? live here, and too aggressive and outspoken. Uh,
2: outspoken, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. They're, listen, I've I've been there when when people come and Chitose and the daughters they they did like what you talked about. Their voices go up, and they're very obsequious yeah. and stuff. beach uh, oh, doesn't do that. No, yeah. You know. Well, she was also Christian. That's different. Well, she was. She didn't continue being, but I mean, yeah. she, she 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 blended in. Yeah, I mean, when she and uh, Suzuki got together, she was Christian, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. She wasn't a hardcore Christian, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's that's, – anything else about her in America?
1: Um, Well, we did this party for her for her 77th. That was nice. It was lovely.
2: She Mm.
1: really loved it and Mm. enjoyed it. And all of her tea friends um, brought stuff and we had a tea ceremony right there in Yoshi's. So we created a temporary
0: tea room there. Did you wait a minute? You had it where? We did we
1: uh we did a Yoshi's restaurant in Oakland.
0: Oh my gosh! Who, who, and she's a tea teacher too. <laughs>
1: Yoshi's a tea teacher, but um, and she's also married to Akiba.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, you know, and uh, there's a whole history there that I won't go into. Um. Because I'm, it's getting late and I'm getting tired. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's another but, story.
1: But it was it was lovely. Um, yeah. So we created we built a tea room uh, just for the occasion in Yoshi's and had tea ceremony there. Oh,
0: that's something! Wow. Um, or
1: the party, and then there was music and you know dancing and stuff. Anyway, it was to honor her, and she loved it.
0: That's and wonderful. Well you you've really uh you're like a very specialized event planner. Uh,
2: uh
0: that's um that's really impressive. Uh, I want to go back to Blanche. Yeah. Uh, re- recently about just a few days ago Connie Lewick uh was brought from a hospital in San Francisco. Into Zen Center, like in a stretcher or whatever. And uh, she died 45 minutes later. And she came specifically to die in the building. And I had no idea.
1: Wait, what?
0: Yeah, that just so happened.
1: Start over.
2: Start over. Connie
0: Lewick, I said, which came from a hospital in San Francisco. And it had been arranged for her to come. To the city center to die, and she died a few a, days ago. Yeah, a few days ago, and it and it and she died forty five minutes after.
2: How and did it, I miss this?
0: Well, I had no idea anybody had been in touch with Connie Louie. She was one of Suzuki Roshi's very early students, like nineteen sixty one. Yeah, and I've never, you know, I hear about her from Graham and. Different people, but oh my I didn't know she was in touch with anybody or was alive no. or anything. And all of a sudden I hear that. So I created I a page gone and paid for her.
2: Had I known,
0: yeah. Pardon?
1: I would have gone and paid respect had I known.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it, Elizabeth Sawyer told me and, and there was, uh, Elizabeth was at her, um, cremation, uh, and, um, but anyway, and Elizabeth, uh, and talk to me about how under, you know, Richard Baker's habit, how, you know, something like that was uh, very important. Uh, she thought he yes, might have even been important in that. Well, my understanding is that Blanche was not allowed to die in the building.
1: That's right. So what happened was that um the administration got really afraid um, that her care was beyond their ability to provide. And um, they kind of, um, the first thing they did was they uh, decided that someone was going to live with her in the place that she and Lou had lived. But, uh, like, they didn't, They didn't consult me about it. So what they did was they moved her into the room that had been her living room and they moved someone into the room that had been their bedroom. So that contributed to Blanche's confusion because they had redone the living room to, quote, look nice, end quote, and it didn't look anything like the room that she and Lou had had. So uh, I think she would have been much more comfortable in the um, bedroom. But then the second thing that happened was that um, she had to have um, uh, more intense treatment and care and uh San Francisco Zen Center um, decided that she was gonna have to move and she moved to age song. And Blanche of to course where? Age Song, which was on Laguna between Hayes and Grove.
0: Wait, is it a hospice?
1: No, it's a um, it's assisted living. I yeah. guess there's a hospice wing, but she was in the Yeah, area. okay, okay. Uh, but it, you know, double rooms and everything. So, anyway, I was Blanche's durable power of attorney. Uh, so I was her uh, primary caregiver. First they wanted to move me into the room with her, but uh, I wouldn't do it because if I was her primary caregiver and living in the room, and she also, um, I also was her executor for all her Dharma affairs, and I helped her with every Jukai, every priest ordination, every Shuso, and every Dharma transmission she ever did, and then I also taught practice periods with her. And I was in recovery from some serious accidents. And I I wouldn't even be able to fit my heavy equipment through the door of her bedroom, let alone be able to use it. So it would either be the equipment or me. And then I would have the extra load of having Blanche need me to help her in the middle of the night. So they moved somebody else in there. And... um, They were afraid for Blanche, and uh, Blanche didn't want to move, but she was self-effacing. She took a self-effacing position and was like, well, you know, um, uh, uh, that's what they want me to do. And so she did that. And then she had to have a partial hip replacement, and, um, she was in a lot of pain. anyway, it was um, mm. said that her didn't want her to um, have accidents that were uh, brought on by a lack of care, and that well, was their side of it, but also, yeah.
0: I don't quite see what you did to get angry about.
1: Well, it was a book that I had found helpful, helpful, but she thought that I was saying that she had ADHD.
0: Well, that's just one thing, but wasn't there more to it than that? Like,
1: no, she was just she was just insulted that I would, you know, give her this book for people with ADHD, mm-hmm.
0: and then. sounds like a modern glitch. Yeah. Uh,
1: Anyway, um, Blanche was an unusual person. She was really, you know, I miss her a lot.
0: She was important to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you what that brings up is, what do you think about the General health of Zen Center. Of course, we can see in, in, in you know, in what you're saying that uh, it it is um, it become, of course, much more institutional than it was than it used to be. Uh, in, in, I mean, it's always been an institution, but um, the um, yeah. you know what institutions tend to keep uh, building. Uh, uh, putting more people in the office. Uh, I remember a forest ranger said to me, we used to have 10 in the field and one in the office, and now we got 10 in the office and one in the field.
1: Just like uh, that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so uh, I've, I've always just been shocked when I see Zen Center, Greens, stuff I'm involved with. I mean, we started Greens with a very minimal administration and everything was going sure. fine. It just got more and more and more and the cost of it was more and more and, and ZinCenter yep. and then ZinCenter hiring all these outside people, right? Yep. I've, I've heard numbers of outside people working for ZinCenter. There seemed way more people that it would seem to me were needed to manage it. But I don't really know, you know? I'm not there anymore, so... Uh, uh, and. Oh, wow. Uh, so, what do yeah, you think about all that? you have
1: three feelings about it. Well, what I what I think is that um, what I what I how I feel about it is that um, I feel a very strong sense of responsibility to put practice first. Right. And I'm a past president of San Francisco Zen Center. Right. Right. I, I don't feel like my point of view about it. Is popular right now.
2: <laughs>
1: However, <laughs> uh, I, uh, now that San Francisco Zen Center is going into the renovation process.
0: Up for the city center. For the city center.
1: I, I feel pretty strongly that um, what's going, what they're going to find out is that uh, the institution is not the institution without a very wide circle of membership and support. And that the relationships with the people are the most important. That our trust, trust and uh, friendship are our most important asset. Much, much more important than the money. Yeah. And yeah, and so that's how I feel about it. And I think what's going to happen is that when the building is closed, that people are going to have to do things like care about each other in simple ways um, uh, to to have any sense of satisfaction in what they're doing. So I think this is a real opportunity. So I'm just waiting my chance to, you know, to. to do things like um, like in this surgery, yeah. if I don't, have, if it's not complicated, and I'm just in recovery, maybe teaching yoga a little bit less, I might organize some intimate study groups to meet in to meet uh, during my recovery, and just do some human stuff with people um, around practice. Yeah, and uh, that's all. I feel like that's all I can do. Yeah, you know, reacting against something is not a very um, powerful or constructive way to live.
0: No, I,
1: I get things done right.
0: I think it's sort of inevitable. I think it's the the sort of like um, that institutions tend to follow. Certain patterns, and there might be, there might be a a, a reduction of staff. I mean, I, I think this is a good uh, institution, and I think it's had very good leadership. And no, uh, uh, we, we, we don't know what it, what it's going to be like in the future. But you know, like like your your focus, you say, is on practice, so. The important thing isn't does Zen Center survive or do the physical locations continue because so each of them has their uh, is it going through some difficulty now because of changing yeah. times. Uh, yeah. It um, is the is the practice spreading? Is the practice available? Is right. it uh, doesn't even have to spread? Is it continuing in in some way?
1: Um, well I feel like the I feel like uh, uh, if you take the vast wealth that San Francisco's ancestors has accumulated and instead of seeing it as a problem see it as some the treasure it makes more sense
0: yeah
1: you know so to me it's a treasure store yeah and, um, I don't have an administrative responsibility for but I can feel Suzuki Roshi's uh, Eyes on me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I made a vow or I made a promise to um, use it in good ways. Mm-hmm. You know, to to kind of um, not misuse it and not uh, not use it for power or gain or right. Uh, not uh, you know just to to not do bad stuff with it, to do good stuff with it.
2: Right,
0: right.
1: You know. So so I'm looking for ways to do that yeah uh, and uh and looking for ways to bring people um, you know to to bring people with me
0: yeah uh, are you uh, are, do you have any concerns or or do you watch uh with some uh philosophical uh distance at uh, the emphasis on all the uh Sort of like up to date uh, social uh, uh, social media. Well, not just social media, but all the um, the, the, the new sorts of pressures in society around. Uh, well, say uh, how much uh, people's identity is important. In their practice, they identify as this or that, and, or, you know, uh, I'd see a lot yeah, more well, of that, right? Now? Yeah, uh,
2: I do too.
1: And it has to be in balance. Like, you know, so Suzuki Roshi, um, uh, followed, um, uh, Kishizawa Ion Roshi's, uh, understanding, which he kind of got from Banjin Doton. So there's this whole lineage of people who teach, um, the three kinds of three refuges. And to me, um, there has to be a a balance. Like, uh, there was a lot lot of time, which I felt like in early practice, we tended to kind of negate or ignore people's uh, particular makeup and history and stuff. Uh, And with an emphasis on, a very innocent, naive emphasis on the world of oneness and the world of insight. And uh, maybe that wasn't a feature with Suzuki Roshi because he was so much himself. But it certainly did happen in the 1970s. You know, that, um, that I, I feel like uh, that whole thing about accessibility has to do with honoring people's differences. And, um, but it's not, I don't, I think it's the identities that are the problem. I think it's when the identity, uh, the understanding of the person's identity or history um, fails to be balanced with an understanding of oneness and an understanding of
2: skill.
0: That's exactly you know? how I feel that the key word there is balancing. And I think it's true in America and institutions in general and in uh in the West, but yeah, the, the, like uh, yeah, the word that word. Ballad, I certainly agree with that. Well said.
1: Well, I agree. I agree with you, and I feel like it. It comes from music, right? So, like um, people who play music or who sing or you know have a musical um, understanding know this. Mm. through the body. Mm. You know, you know that harmony has to occur.
2: Mm. Even if
1: you depart from conventional harmony, there's a relationship with it. Mm. You know that you've departed from it.
0: Mm.
1: You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and well said. Without without that um, sense of like emotional roundness or emotional fullness, it's not really music. It's just sound.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and it doesn't matter whether you're expressing that positively or in the negative space between dissonances or whatever. It's always there. Yeah,
2: would
0: yeah. uh, would you go back to uh, uh, you talked about uh, the three kinds of three practices or
1: three kinds of three of uh, the three kinds of three treasures?
0: Oh yeah, treasures.
1: Three kinds of the three kinds of three treasures. So, what are that? Yeah, it's a basic uh, basic teaching. So, single bodied, manifested, and maintained. Um, so, like Suzuki Roshi's um, uh, Suzuki Roshi's lectures on the refuges
2: mm-hmm. uh, uh,
1: it, uh, are uh, taking off on um, on uh, Dogen Zenji's Kyoju Kaimog, the essay on um, uh, conferring the precepts.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, single-bodied is like um, dharmakaya, in which um, awakening, Anuttara Samyaksam is is um, Buddha, and um, what is realized is dharma, and the virtue of peace and harmony is Sangha. That's a single bodied um, single bodied uh three treasures. So it's kind of like Dharmakaya. The manifested is kind of like Nirmanakaya. So historical Buddha, um, the teachings and uh, the people <laughs> is uh Sangha. Mm-hmm. And that uh, historical body, self, the world of difference, and then the maintained one is the world of skill. So um, the active, you said the
0: maintained one.
1: It's called maintained. So single-bodied, manifested, and maintained. M a n t a i n. Yeah, like maintenance. So yeah. it's like uh, that's like some bogakaya keeps it alive. You know whether to bring in, you know, universal or particular, um, yeah, uh, point of view at the right time. Yeah, and again, you know, I think that people who play music understand this. Mm. You know, do do you do you, uh, do you bring in? Uh, do you repeat something so that you have a sense of like safety and peace and satisfaction? Do you introduce difference?
0: Uh, do you play them off against each other? Mm. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. I have one last question. So, okay. uh, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, you know taking five hundred years to establish uh, uh, Dharma, and uh, what do you think about? Um, uh, climate change uh, and uh, the pollution uh, that creates climate change and poisoning the earth uh, water and air Uh, what do you think about the future of life on earth especially that of uh, human beings
1: right I think we're in grave danger Mm -hmm. yeah so um, and um, you know uh, brave danger that we have responsibility for, and I don't think it's worth it to blame anyone. I think uh, it's we're we're past the point where blame is going to do any good. <laughs> That's it's right. Responsibility.
0: That's right.
1: Right. Yeah, and just uh, th- the other day, I was uh, I was at Peter and Jane's place to help them with an ordination.
0: Oh, down in Northbridge. And,
1: yeah, and then wow. um, and then, you know, I was going to stay Sunday but uh, after the ordination, but there was going to be Hurricane Hillary. And so um, the person I was with and I, instead of staying for breakfast, got up really early so that we could leave at 5 a.m. and outrun the storm. Yeah. And there's never been hurricanes in California, yeah. but now there's like a, a slew of them all over. Anywhere that has oceans has the tendency for hurricanes. And there's this wonderful Zen teacher in Colorado named Kriti Kanko, who is a um, she's a Rinzai Zen teacher who's a um, a nationally Um, recognized climate scientist and um, uh, during the pandemic she and um, Chris Fortin and I did a um, an event where we were trying to um, give space for Zen teachers to grieve what's happening with the climate Mm Mm-hmm so almost like a ceremonial um, space. And what actually happened was that people started talk, saying things like, well, I'm doing ceremonies on Zoom. How are you doing them? Well, I have this many meetings a week. and You know, it was kind of like that. Nobody wanted to notice climate change and grieve about it, even though they said that that's what they were there for. Hmm. You know, and uh, what I think about what I think about this is that it's really hard just to stay with the uh, grief and suffering that we have enough to take responsibility and do something about it. Like if we had a sick child and um, and started talking about our work instead of taking care of the child, you know, it would be really clear. You know, if we had um, if we were sick and didn't take care of it, but just you know, got all busy and stuff. Hmm. Um, anyway, I think that that's what we're doing with our, you know, our mother. Uh, the earth. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was recently in Australia. And I you were? To- My God, you yeah. get around. Well, I, w- I go there every six months for, because I have a medical team there, helps me with some ex- uh Injuries from accidents I was in. But um, this time, my sister, uh, the sister who kind of raised me, mm-hmm. uh, a retired psychologist who's Australian, and uh, she was born in England and she's Australian. And uh, she. Um,
0: Wait a minute. You have a sister who was born in England?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, I see. Oh, your parents, parents were in England before they came to America?
1: Yeah, they were refugees.
0: Right, okay. So,
1: um, anyway, she kind of raised my twin in me. And she um, she's 80 now, and she's a, uh, she had a birthday wish that she wanted to go to Uluru.
0: So... Um, ah, a, well, me now, tell us what that is.
1: Yeah, Uluru used to be known by its colonial name as Ayers Rock. And it's this giant mesa, but it's not exactly a mesa because... Um, it was formed as layers in the earth and then through some geological event got upended 90 degrees or 87 degrees from the way it was before. And then the end got worn down. So it looks like a mesa, but it's actually um, has layers in the opposite direction from the mesa.
0: Oh, uh, oh for real. I didn't know and that.
1: It's, it's, uh, and it's bright red. And it's the spiritual heart of Australia.
0: In the middle the of the temple. desert. <laughs> right. In
1: the middle of the desert. Right. And so there's Uru, and then there's also Katajuta, which is a, um, it's, it's very, very large rocks about the size of, the smallest ones are like the size of City Hall, and the biggest ones are like, um, the size of Golden Gate Park. And, wow. Um, and they're, they're big round rocks that look like bowling, bowling balls. And they make little, like, piles and mountains and stuff. Um, and so one of those is the sacred site for women, which is Uluru. And the other one is the sacred site for men, which is Gatajuta. Anyway, I, I went on, um, a pilgrimage around Gatajuta and Uh, Went on a walk with some of the elders, went to a dot painting workshop, did a bunch of stuff like that. And then, um, you know, so they're the first people, and they have a very different relationship with land and climate than we do. Mm -hmm. So their memory goes back 30,000 years. And it's an oral memory. And they have cave paintings of sea animals crawling up on land and becoming land animals. And um, right now, in Australia, the, um, uh, the government is considering this thing called the voice, by which the indigenous people would be able to comment on um, decisions that have an impact on the whole nation before... Parliament passes those decisions. And there's there was this uh, TV show called The First Inventors that's trying to get people to know the contributions of the Aboriginals or indigenous first people. Mm-hmm. And so there's one episode where this young woman who's uh, mixed race, so she wants to know more about her, um, her, her about that side of her ancestry, and she, she looks around and there's this man that she thinks she can talk to. He turns out to be this 93 year old guy who's going to tell her about the stars. And, and so he teaches her about three stars and about the Milky Way, how the Milky. Way Wait, and these three stars point in various directions and then he Wait a minute. point what he stops point in the what? They di- they point they point in different directions. Like two of them line up and point west and so on. And so he teaches her three stars. Then he stops the car and he says, Get out. And it's in the middle of the night. And there's no moon. And she says, what? And he, he asks her to get out of the car. And then he says, I'll meet you two and a half kilometers due west. And she, and he drives away. And she's afraid for her life. She thinks the dingoes are going to get hurt. Or that she'll step in a hole. And then she sees some of the stars that he talked to her about and she um, follows the star and then she feels something different under her feet and she thinks it's pavement and then she sees headlights and it's him. And um, she gets back in the car and he said that he wanted her to know it instead of knowing about it. Mm -hmm. And then she says, and this is this is what and he says I, I hold the knowledge of navigation of our people and she says oh so this is the information used to not get lost and he says I am country I can't get lost hmm. so I think we need to uh, listen and understand about this kind of knowledge. And that if we do, it's like kind of like Joanna Macy says, Mm -hmm. if we uh, appreciate this kind of knowledge, that this is actually uh, living in the world of practice. And that practitioners can actually um, open, we can open our hearts and minds to a kind of knowledge of the climate and of the earth and uh, every being in it that includes us and um, has life, you know, as a single body, you know, in all of our individual histories and in what we uh, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, It really was life-changing. I just spent a few days with them. But it turns out that the word that we translate as dream time actually means something more like Dharma. Hmm. So it's their law, and it's their understanding of reality, Mm -hmm. and ancestry, and life. So it's just... It was just... I can't even... um, You know... I. Of course, you know I'm not part of that culture, and you can only go to their towns if you're invited and stuff. But it really makes me want to learn more. Wow.
0: Well, um, listen. Yeah. This has uh, been uh, most uh, illuminating. Boy, you're <laughs> covered- a little weird. <laughs> You've covered a lot of territory. No, it hasn't been weird. It's been good. You've covered a lot of territory. Uh, And uh, is there anything you'd like to say in parting?
1: Um, Yeah, I just want to say that I really appreciate what you're doing. I think that no one else is uh, doing this like you are. And um, I just hope that you're healthy and that... Um, you know, and that Bali stays wonderful and doesn't get flooded and stuff. Uh, I just, uh, just please take care of yourself.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Uh, I am definitely doing that. Yeah. I've been, uh, under the weather for, God, a couple of months, but, uh, I'm coming out of it now. I, uh, uh, with bronchitis and then uh, mm. a pulmonary infection. Uh, mm. But, you know, uh, I've got access to, to good um, alternative treatment and also very, very, very good Western medicine. Uh, I can walk to uh, the newest hospital in Bali 20 minutes away, and I love it and uh, so efficient and I really appreciate uh, the help I've gotten from them. I, am, you know, it's, anyway, uh feel pretty good, and uh, I really enjoy doing the podcast, and uh, none more than this one. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: and uh, to be continued. Yeah. I'll see you.
0: Yeah, love to you. You take care. I uh, really appreciate it.
1: Okay, I'm sending a good Good things over the phone wire. Um, yeah. This has—I've been speaking to you on my nineteen seventies princess phone. Oh,
0: well, that, that is wonderful. Well, I—I <laughs> I wish um, the best of health to you, and okay. uh, may your dharma spread wide.
1: Same, same to you. I'll see okay. you. Take care. Okay, take care. Good night. Good. Bye.
0: So, thanks a lot. Vicki Austin, on Vicki Austin. That was really interesting. That was really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I, I didn't even mention the Aborigine thing beforehand. I'll put it in the metadata so you can read it. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, my gosh. Uh, okay. Well, look, Vicki, until we meet again, this is D.C. Poobah. Cooke Audio and Cooke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sanur, with Doggett Bandita and dear lovely Katrinka. Actually, it's just with Doggett Bandita tonight, because Katrinka is with her friend Alice, over in Nusa and, and and they're staying. And she got half off in some hotel. The staying in some hotel she said is really giant, bigger than anything in Sonora. And just incredible gardens and and it's right on the ocean. Uh yeah, New Dua is a pretty posh place to stay, which is funny because it was sort of like desert. Uh that uh, you know, it's sort of like, you know, they turned Las Vegas in <laughs> in a desert into a place where everybody wanted to go. Well, New Sedua is um is is a, uh, you know, it's, it's more Beverly Hills than Sonora where we live and uh, has some really posh places. So she and her friend Alice got a good deal in a room there and they were there because Alice's son is, is uh, who, you know, who's a grown son, 40 or something. Uh, he, he was uh, in a, a martial arts demonstration. I forget what it's called. It's one I'm not familiar with and, uh, uh, you know, it was a big thing with lots and lots of people and uh, so they went over there to enjoy that. But since they were there and there's so much traffic between there and here, they're going to spend the night, you know, have a nice time and come back at a leisurely hour and um, that's it. And so... Uh, uh, I'm just coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Doge Bandita. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. <laughs>